0: peace world easy world's your man and boogie don't worry about the name get used to the voice and it's another episode of keeping the child thank you for moving rocking and robbing with me as always and we are back at it again hopefully your day your evening your afternoon whatever time you listen to this is going right and going good if not don't worry we're gonna work that out about this time so ladies and gentlemen I got another person who's coming in the sparring gym with me and we're gonna have a great conversation and I promise you you're gonna to want to hear this brother as he comes in the ring all the way from PR Puerto Rico my man Mr. Alex Coquito. Alex, you in the building good, sir? Well, hello there to all my
1: first-time viewers. And for my returning viewers who might find me somewhere in the Twitterverse, Metaverse, Instagramverse, Snapchatverse, Facebookverse. Yes, I'm old. I still use Facebook. This is Alex Coquito. Hello, everybody.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, folks, you're going to get a chance to hear my man as he goes ahead and he speaks about what he's been going through in his life and why is it that he is... Fighting to keep his towels. So, Alex, this is how the game goes. I need you to make sure you got your hands wrapped. Get your gloves on. Get your mouthpiece in your mouth. Get out of your locker room. Come to the ring and get in your last set of instructions. And I need you and I to come to the center of the ring. It is Aunt Boogie and Alex. This is our sparring session. The round has officially started. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. So, Alex, let's go ahead and hit this time machine and dial it to 19 Shumitamitumina and tell us where it all started for you.
1: Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a boogie down Bronx boy born in the 80s. Yes, I survived the 80s. It's amazing. Son of well, second son to my father. Shout out to my father. Rest in peace. And to my mother, you're still alive as a soldier. My life has been tumultuous and crazy to say the least. Honestly, I saw a dead body when I was three, saw a dead body when I was five, which was my burying my father. And then, you know what? My mom's like, you know what? Let's leave New York city and get the hell out of here because the eighties are crazy. So let's go to to a place called Puerto Rico. And I went there and from 10 years old to now, technically give or take a few years, I've been living my life here. Single father, crazy person. Survivor
0: from the BX, from Boogie Down, Game Time, birth home of hip hop. Alex, as you mentioned, with mom and dad in the home, tell us yep. what it was like in the home when you were small.
1: <laughs> oh man, you got me on a look on a good time because I'm actually having some good flashbacks, and the fact that everyone kind of gave me a retelling of my life between I was born until I was five years old when my father died. My father was a good man. He worked hard at 16 years old. He kept working to the days that he died. He was a part of a big family. One of nine. My grandma was a rolling stone. I can say that now, rest in peace. I love you, grandma, but you love love getting it on. I respect that. Part of the family trait. My family was always connected up until my, my father's death. And my father allegedly was a pimp. Was the man with the ladies, he knew he had a bunch of ladies. When he met my mom, my mom was like, "You're gonna be serious with me. You need to shut that shit down and just be with me." And that's it. My father loved that, so he was loyal to her to so the final days of his of his life. I respect that. Every weekend. All my family members and their friends and their friends' friends would come to my mom's house and have parties or go to my grandma's house and have parties, drinking beer and everything else. Sadly, my father grew up in the 80s. Because of the 80s, he died from that. So I'm going to say about that. But I will say my mom, who was a nurse at the time, growing up in the boogie down Bronx, where the death ratio was at least three a week at least three or four a week at most Mm. and this reverberated with me i'm the last son's son that's it my dad was the last son ever made from my grandma and then i was the last son ever made by him and that deepens my soul when i think about that but my mom told myself i don't want you growing up in this lifestyle even though your family's here you're still growing up around death violence you know drugs pain and remembering your father so in this bad state so we need to get the hell out of here and let's find someplace else. For the longest time I didn't like my I didn't I hated my mom for that because I didn't really understand that. To this point in my life, I kissed the feet that she walks on. because of that I'm alive, I'm intelligent I have no criminal record and I'm not an addict. fingers crossed. So I thank you mom for that. For my father, the 80s took a lot of people. I have no hate for him for that. I can never have hate for my father. The 80s were a son of a...
0: And it was that not just here in the black and latin community it was also in in california miami it was everywhere and we knew what was going down if you don't know what was going down in the 80s be grateful that you weren't born at that time
1: be you don't we'll have the nightmares
0: mom says hey look i don't want you to be growing up around this and she decides to make moves and you said that it kind of caused you to have resentment towards her she decides to make the moves to, to get you out of that life what was the shock of the move that happened for you
1: now, it's a it's kind of like a transition period between one place to the next. Before I went to Puerto Rico, we had a stop in um, in Florida, in Miami. My mom quickly remarried. Again, trauma and everything else. I understand that she explained. You know, she met a guy who was very comforting. They hit it off really quick, got married really quick. Went to Miami. He worked in Disneyland. And that son of a because he cheated on my mom. So, you know, what I, what, what I, because my mom's a saint. Always remember that, for me anyway. What really traumatized me was that this guy would, would work in Disney World and take me to Disney World every single weekend. I didn't have a growth spurt till I was like 13. So between eight and 10 years old, I was like five foot two just a short ass guy. Everyone's like, yeah, let's go to the good ride. I have to go to the teacup ride. I gotta go to the to the ride where the elephant is. It sucks doing that every single week for like a year, <laughs> dude. It just sucks. Wow, Space Monster was awesome. I wish I could throw up a Space Mountain. man, damn. And at the same time, I told you, every time we were done, he would buy me hot chocolate because he would get it for free. And the hot chocolate was like at the end of the night, hot chocolate. So it would burn my tongue every single time. So for me, psychologically, I hate Disney World. Sorry about that. Don't at me. Alice Coquito on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. Kiki Sorry, Rican reactions on Twitter. Then, when she found out he cheated on her, she went to Puerto Rico. It really affected me. This is this is where the hate came from in the beginning because I knew no Spanish. I grew up around Spanish people, right? My my, my mom, my my grandma, my grandma's my father's side. All everyone talked Puerto Rican. Everyone talked Spanish, and I understood it, but I couldn't speak it to save my life. So imagine going into fourth grade Spanish with a whole bunch of Puerto Ricans knowing that you're from the Bronx and you don't know any at all. They just beat you up. They make fun of you. Again, the 90s, early 90s were very racist against Americans who came to Puerto Rico. Really bad. I never really talked about it as much, but it's just bad. So for the longest time, I hated that. Luckily, because Puerto Rico is is kind of a haven for everybody, I met like-minded people who were coming from the States different languages different ethnicities and just really had a i had a support group so that's what happens
0: now that you are in puerto rico adjusting your life to this new world this new country what was it like now growing into your your teenage years and then hitting into your 20s what was that like
1: between 12 and 16 years old i i I discovered porn so let's just say that that's that's a yeah. Okay. Twelve and sixteen. From Twelve and sixteen I discovered, I discovered porn. So I, that that's a blur for me. Well hey, we between, all did Yeah. Between sixteen and eighteen, which I have on my channel on YouTube, it was nuts. I became an alcoholic because sadly my my family history have alcoholics in their in their in their bloodline, so it sucks, but it's the way of life, I accept it. I rebelled against my my stepfather because my mom remarried again for another person that she knew back in the day. One one things that, that most people don't know is that my mom was born in New York, but she was raised here, back and forth. So she knew people from here and from the States. So I didn't know that until I, until I came back. I'm like, oh great, who's this guy? Oh yeah, I've known him since I was like a kid. I'm like, yeah, you're like 40, I'm like 10. I don't know what your life been, like what you did with hanged out with the person, Mary Madame Curie too, mom. What the hell? She got she got the reference, so I like that. I would rebel against him. And he wasn't really a good role model at the time. Cause he was, you know, he was like in his he was in his late 30s, early 40s, you know, doing his own thing. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna describe him because he's a good person right now. Well wishes to him. I I just know that I was always crazy. I was I knew three things in my life. I was acting crazy. I wanted sex, but I was scared of sex at the same time. And you know this, because between the early and mid-90s, movies, propaganda, story, everything was like, if you have sex, you're going to die. You're just going to die. You know, so that was about, that's the second thing. And two, I got depression. And I got mild schizophrenia. Slight schizophrenia. And I, my mom was like, well, there's this new thing called Prozac, let's test this crap out. Ladies and gentlemen, scientific fact, Prozac in its early stages was the worst thing ever this, and made people worse than what they are right now. Now Prozac works. but Prozac in 94, 96, I was one of the first people that started doing that. It made it worse. But when I hit 18 and then I, you know, I did a bad thing, then it changed my life forever. I was around 30, 32, and so I realized I'm a man. Only around that time, I'm a man. At, at 15, 16, I was a baby, even at that time, loving porn at the same time, obviously.
0: From there, Alex, here it is. Now you're yeah. trying to learn this whole thing of life. One time when we spoke, you had joined the military at one point. Yes. What, what made you want to join the military?
1: Oh, it's like no one made me. It's what choice did I have? That's the better question. Now, at 18 years old, I did something stupid. I smoked the marijuana on top of a roof, on top of my mom's house, and my stepdad got pissed. I'm like, you're get the hell out. Mm. Get the hell out. you going to live on the street. You're not, not in my life, which is ironic. If this was in 2022, it wouldn't make a difference. But again, 1990s. So my mom's like, all right, I got a loophole. I'm not going to live on my street cause that's my boy. That's my son. So I'll send him to Florida to Kissimmee. Sorry, anyone come from Kissimmee, but it's Kissimmee. Now they sent me to Kissimmee, went to my aunt. My aunt was very strict, very on point. I was 18. I drank again. I'm an alcoholic. Can't drink over there. Cause you have to be 21. What? Well, I'm in Puerto Rican time. Puerto Rican time is 18. Not 21 for me. What the hell's wrong with you guys? <laughs> all right, that's one. Two, if you're going to live in this house, you got to pay the light, the water, the cable, and the rent. I'm like, what the hell do you guys pay? We pay the chance that you get to live here. I'm like, damn, I'd rather rent my own damn house. But all right, fine. Top of that, walking two miles every day at 2 in the morning to get to a construction site to be the first 16 people to get the good jobs if I didn't become the first 16, I would be the, the latter 16, which would just be digging a hole for nine hours. It sucks. I don't care what anyone says. Digging a hole for nine hours sucks. And then I would get about thirty-five dollars. And then out of that thirty-five dollars, because I, you know, love the, the sex life, I would buy a, a nudie mag for three dollars. So it would be thirty-two dollars. And then take the bus, which was two dollars, so I would take home thirty dollars. Minus $5 if I went to Hardee's or like Del Taco every day. And then take that and pull it. At one point, I did something stupid. I left, I left the TV on, the light bill went to $150. They all freaked out. Oh my God, $150. They kicked me out. My mom's like, well, you got another choice. If you're coming back, you got to join the military. Or you live on the street. I'm like, I'm not living on the street in Puerto Rico. I'm not living the street here in Kissimmee. It's freaking cold as not. Nah. So I went back, did a year in training, learned a lot of things. The last day before I went to the military, my best friend did a rave inside of a rainforest. Best thing ever in my life, man. I can't say which rainforest, I can't say legally where, but it happened, it really happens. That's all I can say. I went to the military, joined, went to Chicago, did my thing, went to school, became a fireman. Fun fact, because I think it's funny for me, I didn't want to take the ASVAB, right? But I was forced, not forced to, I was like, you know, you got to do it. So I said, you know what, I'm drunk. I was drunk that day, I remember that. And there was a guy next to me named Paul. And Paul was studying for six months straight. His parents made a birthday party for him, like a party like, oh, you're going to do it. And we both did it at the same time. I passed drunk only for the fact that I'm great with numbers. So when I got to the math section, instinctually, I passed it. Got a 95. That's the only reason I passed. (laughs) And I was drunk. I'm like, uh, oh, numbers do, do, do. and everything else. I, I I sucked the mechanics and whatever. He got a 31. You're supposed to get a 32 to get the minimum. He got a 31. He was so sad. I was like, damn, you want to take mine? You can be him. I don't have to be him. All right, cool, whatever. So went to the military and went to California, went to San Diego, went went uh, went to the USS Bonhomme Richard, LHD six, Harrier carrier. Learned three things in life, one, if you're from an live in Puerto Rico and if there's no other Puerto Ricans that have your back, stop saying you're from Puerto Rico. Two, the tales are true. Every woman likes, looks like Jennifer Lopez after six months on the ship. Doesn't matter. I don't care how much your standards are. <laughs> it's cold, it's metal, it's dark. You just had two beers after 90 days. You just want to get it in. Right, so even a two look like a 10. A minus six looks like a freaking 10. There are minus sixes, bro.
0: <laughs> there are minus sixes.
1: I, I give minus six for the teeth. It's all black. Like, oh, anyway. Anyway. Uh, and three, as Ronnie said on the Jersey Shore, never fall in love with the Jersey Shore. I'm to paraphrase. Never fall in love on a Navy ship. It never works out. Sorry. Four, four rules. Fourth rule, addendum added. Always have a good weapon on you at all times of defend your ass. At all times. Even on a ship. And always have your back to the wall no matter what, because I got beat up a lot. I got harassed. I got a uh, number one on number one thrown at me. I was uh, thrown down a flight of stairs. Whoa. I got hit in the knee with a giant monkey wrench. And I don't mean like a monkey wrench like this. I mean, a monkey wrench like this, right? Like the really, right. the really, really big ones mm-hmm. that like, like Hulk can grab it and use it as a weapon. That type of I got thrown at. I got say I was a loser. I was a nobody. I disappeared a whole bunch of times in the Navy because of my depression. I, I would disappear for 28 days, come back on the 28th, 23 hours and 58 minutes of it to pass that level, which legally I can do. And after a while, after defending a person and just, I got kicked out. Three years, got kicked out right before Thanksgiving. My mom was surprised as f- to see me before Thanksgiving. i tell you that much, man. Got man. a lot of tra- traumatizing things happened on the Navy too, it was just, you know,
0: You got picked on, got targeted due to your Puerto Rican nationality, or was it just due like people just being a bunch of clowns? People don't know this. And there's a video on YouTube
1: how it's called How the Navy Really Is. And it's basically that. It's a it's a video of just like if you're not in a clique. Your, your your sanitation. That's it. That's all it is. Like, I worked in sanitation two years of my life, and I was a boiler technician, a machinist mates, a person that heats up and powers the boiler to move the ship. And all I was designated to was to get up, fill some water, clean the shits, do what the f you're told. You're not in a click, get the f out. And you're Puerto Rican, you're a Puerto Rican. Yeah, I'm a profitable Puerto Rican. Well, f- you, I'm from Texas Six Ward. I'm from Alabama. I'm from I'm from the Philippines, where there are Philippine gangs in the in the Navy. They are rough, rough. I'm this. I'm that. Ah, oh, you're not you're a Me- you're not Mexican. Well, you're uh, we're Mexican. We're, I'm like that's all it was, and all I wanted to do was just wake up and go to bed, and wake up and go to bed. That's all I ever wanted to do. And it's not the adventure that you want to have in the Navy. You want to wake up and enjoy your work, not wake up and wonder. Why do you have to sleep and put your back to the wall where the metal thing is? And the metal thing is on metal. So it's just freezing your back. But you got to and have a knife on you to make sure no one tries to stab you because Mm. they don't like you. That's the only reason they don't like you. You didn't say anything bad. I'm going to say this. And this actually happened to me. And this sucks. One time in my life, I just I was on in between second. I, I went to jail in the Navy eight times. So between two and three. I was on the free time, you know, just doing my thing, and I saw this guy named Nguyen, and the guy in had a cigarette. I was like, man, you know, I want to get a cigarette, and I, I have my, I didn't have my credit card, Navy card, on me, to like transfer money off him. So I said, hey, can you just, can you bum me a cigarette? I'll give you some money later when I get home, when I get to my house, my little bunk. He's like, nah, I'm like, nah, come on, dude. Like, you know, I'm good for it. We both work in the the same place. I'll give you one of my gifts. And we both smoke the same thing. You smoke Newports, I smoke Newports. I just left it. I left it over there. They only giving me 10 minutes. And by the time I get to my place and back here, 10 minutes has passed. No, F you. And I said these exact words. All right, I'm going to give you a scowl and walk away. I literally said the words and it sounds stupid saying it, but saying it. And then I gave him a scowl face like, That's it. Another guy, which I forgot his name. He's from Alabama. I call him Alabama. He came up from behind me. The guy gave him a notion. He grabbed me from behind and grabbed both my arms. And the guy and the guy in, like, you want a freaking cigarette here? Took his Newport and just burnt it all over my cheek. It's right there. Middle of the day. People are passing by. People are passing by and everything. Not no one's doing a thing. Part of my language, ladies and gentlemen. So they go away, whatever ironically because i can say this now i took like the cigarette didn't break so i'm like oh well at least i got a cigarette smoke the cigarette while the thing is burning and bleeding on my face finish the cigarette go to the mps military police and like hey dude this guy burned my face that was the worst thing i ever did because yeah he went to jail too and he planned the ticket a year in advance to go back to the philippines and because he was in jail he was getting he was gonna get out the day after his flight not before And his captain, who was like, well, his his, his machinist captain, who was my captain, pleaded with the captain and said, hey, let him out early. Come on, we'll do whatever the hell you want. And the captain's like, no, because he took a cigarette and burnt the guy's face. Like, you know, I'm not gonna give a, like, that's not like, oh, I'm sorry, it won't happen again. You gotta take the time for it, and you're lucky I just gave you that. Because of that, the day I was leaving, and apparently, and b- by the way, I went to jail too. I went to jail too because I provoked them. And because the third guy was there, he took the rap and said, yes, this guy, who was me, punched Nagayan, and that's why Nagayan took, that's why Nagayan burnt my, burst my, burst my face, and that's why the guy hold, held me at the same time. So he took the rap. Wow. Just, just to make sure that I went to jail too mm. Yeah, so I was like two weeks Luckily, they they're like, you know what We're only giving you We don't want you guys like being released on the same day So Alex, you're going to get off the day of Which is the day that we all come to port And everyone gets I'm like, don't tell me twice Bought me took ticket to Puerto Rico That same day, thank you And I got out When I came back The first thing they did Was just beat the sh- out of me for 20 minutes and not one or two guys, about, like, 14 dudes. What? Just, again, you burnt me in the f- face. Like, that's no excuse to be like, oh, someone, like, that was your choice. Just to, like, you could have said, okay, the guy wanted a cigarette. I said, no, I'm going to turn around and not say anything else. But you didn't. That's, on a scale in my life from 1 to 10, that's a 7 of the sh- that that happened to me. A
0: 7. All right, so, Alex, you are now back home and you're yes. back in florida now after getting discharged now what's life like for civilian alex at this point
1: after the california thing we went back to puerto rico i went to puerto rico for 22 to 23 and then about twenty 24 went to florida to meet my brother I haven't seen him in almost since my grandma died when i was 15. wonderful time met my brother great time to get to know him again met an 18 year old girl who cuckold me and uh, took all my stuff, had a record before she was even 18, didn't know that, and traumatized me. Just addendum, short version, ladies and gentlemen. When I came back to Puerto Rico, though, I left Puerto Rico because of that. Got my ticket, sold all my, all my stuff, just left Puerto Rico. I was working in Greyhound. I just left. Gone. Traumatized me for life. For Puerto Rico, the Navy life, I had nightmares of getting beat up all the time. I had nightmares of waking up somewhere in the trash. Because, By the way, ladies and gentlemen, something I didn't say to you. I was sleeping in trash for six months out of the three years I was in the navy. While in the navy, because I didn't trust sleeping where I slept, so I would sleep in the trash behind the the uh, pizza place next to the ship. I would tell the guy like, "I'll give you ten bucks. Just let me sleep there. There's a camera there, so you know I'm there." He's like, "Why? People got beat, beat me up a lot." I'm like, "All right, I get that." So he let me sleep there for six months. Thank you. I forgot what his, what his name was, but may the blessings go to you. Then when I came over here. Bad things happened with the Bayamon, got kicked out, bought a car, wasn't in my name. <laughs> Freaking lived in a house that had no light and water for two years while living in Puerto Rico while working. Uh, met my baby mama, had my son, didn't work out. We both cheated on each other. Then around 35, 36, met people that, that really inspired me. A person made my name Alice Coquito out of a racist video. And now I'm just a YouTuber. I'm a YouTuber that wants to be mayor of my town in seven years because my mayor sucks. He's corrupted. He's stupid. He's just not the dumbest guy ever. I'll I'll admit it. And I really want to help people. I want to do interviews. I just did a a month-long video showcase of my island. Like literally, the the first video is on top of a mountain called the tree, the curve of the tree, where you look down, you can see the highway, and the highway is like thirty miles away, and it's just beautiful because I wanted to show my islands. I want people, I want not only is people to see Puerto Rico, but I want people to see my town on the map. I wanted to be like like Atlantic City, Vegas, Chicago, like you say that name, boom, you know what the hell that is, you know why the hell that is.
0: Let's stick with there. You had a little man. I remember one time when we were vibing, you had said, "Yeah, for a good long time of your life, Alex was not this mature guy. He was just all over the place, even having yeah. your son. Take me in that space, Alex, when having your kid and Alex was like, whatever, man. He was just this laissez-faire yeah. maverick, even though he's a dad.
1: When I had my son at 29 years old, up until 33, 33, 34, I didn't love him. I didn't understand what my son was. I just had a kid, I'm like, oh cool, my kid's there, whatever. And when at one point in my life, when I saw him at, at his, not at his worst, but at the most distressed and the most of fearful, and I just became, became a father there. I said, this is the point in my life that I have to be a father. Now in every day, I'm learning how to be a father. I wanna be better and sometimes I'm worse, sometimes I'm worse to be better. A wise man said this once, to be a father, I'd rather be the villain that is negging you every single day to be good and be better than the hero that you never, that you never that's never around, honestly. Because I met a lot of parents that, oh, I'm the best dad, but they're never around. And the name is only there. But there's some parents that are kind of assholes, but they push you to learn math and they push you to learn two languages and they push you to be better because they don't want you to be them that is what I'm trying to be for my son. I want him to be not me. I want him to be better than me. Beyond better than me because I know in my life and finally realized that I had the potential to be one of the greatest people in the world but I wasted it on my own bad choices. And I'm showing him that the choices that you make now will affect you in the future. And I had a psychic attack not oh, sorry, a psychotic break at one point in my life and it showed me that I, I had to be better. I had to be better for my son because if not, who will be, who will be for anybody really? Yeah. Honestly.
0: Yeah. All right. So Alex, let's sit on this part here where you had this psychotic breakdown and mm-hmm. with you and you have your son take us in that moment. What went down and what did that oh. do to you?
1: Okay. Well, there was a lot of factors of a lot of things. one, uh, a friend of a friend Gave me some old Xanaxes Yeah, It happens Two I do have Sleeping problems I do have insomnia sometimes And sometimes night terrors So I need some things To, the, to sleep Sometimes I need medication
0: And was the night okay. terrors Due to From your From things that Culminated from Military and your past
1: Yes. And now they have time to explain and elaborate on that more. You have to combine, imagine a plate of food. You got the plate of food with the military, uh, deaths, people that I've lost coming back home. I am 40 years old and about my number of of years, plus about two to six more people is as many people I've seen die or buried or lost. And that's a lot. Up until 2015. So out of 46, bring it down to 10. 36 people in 2015, I've seen seen gone. I was gone, I was going nuts. My my, the mother of my child was driving me crazy and I was driving her crazy too, respectfully. I was, let's be honest. My parents were on my ass. I wasn't making that much money. I was going 3.5 miles every two days out of the week to make $20 in recycling, pushing a shopping cart you know, and just dying of dehydration. I was, I had dry, I had, I lost hair in certain parts of my, in my lifetime because of extreme stress uh, syndrome. I didn't really know how to understand and comprehend and like filter grief. So it was all just bottled up. And one day I was with my son, we were cutting through an abandoned factory to go to my mom's house. At one point it was, I was just thinking of something just, my son said something, there's a trigger word. And that trigger word, just lost it for me and I grabbed some old two by fours and I just start slamming and destroying everything around me I told my son go over there just stay over there for a second I have to, have to do something and I'm just like for five minutes just breaking everything and crying and screaming saying what the hell's wrong with my life why am I doing this something also that most people don't know when I was 35 that whole year I was scared of death. I've never been really scared of death in my life, but that year I was. Why? Cuz that's the same year my that that's um, my dad died when he was 35. Mm. Also, shout out to um that Terrence Howard movie that he did that was um he was a, he was a rapper and and, and uh um, Hustle and Flow. Yeah. And If you remember that movie, he said it too like my I'm 30 I'm 35 and my daddy died at that age. I'm like, and I related to that movie. I'm like, damn. So it just, all that came like rushing into me. And I just was thinking, this is going to be the year that I die. And I'm my son's going to be a little bit older than me, but is, is he going to be fatherless? You know, am I going to leave my mom without a son now? Like after losing everything, like it just all, all came in one big ball. And then between those five minutes, like about three and a half minutes to four, my son came in and saw me. And that was the shameful thing I've ever saw in my life. That my son saw me like, just broken as a man. Mm. I hated that. I hated that to the day of my life. The day I die, I hated that. So I promised myself I wanted to be better. Coincidentally, I met a therapist that turned into my girlfriend. Be fair. Be be very fair, ladies and gentlemen. She was my therapist that I that I met on a dating app. Then she turned into my girlfriend. A little weird. I can't make this stuff up. She helped me emotionally in the start. This was like the starting levels of my life. So she helped me emotionally. She helped me to project myself. And she learned that I had a trick, like the gift of gab. Just, you're you eloquent, you can talk, you can express emotion, you can paint the story like most people can't do. So find an outlet for that. And at that point, before I made my channel, I didn't know what to do. And I was trying different things. I was trying Podbeam. I was like doing like audio things I was doing like weird things on on Instagram, I was doing everything
0: I don't know what the hell I was doing, but I was doing something, but I didn't find that that inspiration at that moment. You're in this warehouse and you are going off and your kid sees this Yeah. and you finally break down in front of him. Mr. Coquito, once you're there and you're now in this vulnerable state in front of your kid, what's now Alex's moves after that?
1: After that and by the way that's not like, like I can honestly say that was honestly maybe the first time I ever broke down in front of somebody it happened after that in front of my parents like a few years later the moves that I made that changed me were I wanted to be better I wanted to talk better I wanted to be more vocal I was always quiet in my life I was always defensive never offensive. So I wanted to change that, but I needed a spark. I needed something to inspire me. My whole life has been inspirations, ladies and gentlemen. My whole life has literally been, I haven't wrote a damn thing down. I'm still doing this to this day, not writing a damn thing down. I'm just riding the wave until the wave stops. You can do that, but you gotta be careful. The first video I ever made, was about the mayor's, the ex-mayor's brother. The ex-mayor's brother was an alky, vicious alky. Like you've seen people have a fifth of alcohol. He'll spin that top and he'll drink it like a cup of water, mm. not stopping. And then he'll just dance it out. And But the reason he drank was not because he was an alky. He was an alky by necessity because he had cancer. His family had cancer, his parents had cancer, he had cancer. He knew that he was gonna die in a few years he was a carpenter, he was around 65, 70. He knew that it was, eh, it was done, right? His brother was lucky enough not to get it. So, and his brother was the mayor and everyone knew that he was a, he was the mayor's brother. I love that man as if he was my uncle because even when drunk, you crap on him, belittle him, whatever, he would treat you with such respect, blackout drunk. If you touched his food, and I've seen this, If you try to take away his food that his sister gives him, I'm I'm pretty sure you're seeing this. you remember those old telephone telephone booths, the metal ones? Oh yeah. Okay, the thick ones are like this thick. Mm -hmm. One point, some dealer of the illegal variety was hanging out next to him, and they were gonna make a joke. So they took his meal, and they hit it, and he's like, "Yo, where's my food? Where's my food?" He's blackout drunk. Where's my food? Where's my food? I don't know. He lost it, and he had he had a he had a fist like a like an oven mitt, like a really big hand. Uh. He punched the side of the thing, and the thing bent. That's not even like an exaggeration. Like it just it bent. Every dealer, every person that was we we were at a little sandbar like club too, stopped. Oh, here's here's the meal. And I remember he said this <laughs> I could have killed you And I could have got away with it <laughs> I'm like yeah You could have I wanted to get that memory out there And then one memory came another memory Another memory came another memory I'm, and, and then I talked about my emotions Being a PTSD survivor Because I do have PTSD from the war And from life And ladies and gentlemen People can get PTSD not because of the war One of my best friends just got diagnosed with ptsd and that person's only a year under me and didn't even know that they knew that something was wrong with them they knew that they had to find help but they were too scared to do it and i told everybody and i told them just find help there's no shame in finding help and they finally did it and then like yeah i'm diagnosed with ptsd what should i do so every day i call that person and leave them a positive text tell them what tell them what not to do what to do what type of music to hear to like drown out the noise because ladies and gentlemen I've been there and it's a shameful thing that if you've been there and you won't help another person out you don't have to deserve to get money you should should do it because it's a duty to yourself but that's what led me to my channel now
0: so Alex when your then girlfriend was telling you hey look go ahead and give this spitting out your feelings and everything was there deep apprehension was there a lot of hesitancy or it was all right i'll i'll do it but it's going to be done this way what was what was that like
1: oh my god the the last one. Oh my god you have no money how many how about you do it this way i think you should do it this way maybe you should really talk about it oh well your views are not to talk that much i like and I, the same answer I give everybody else when you wake up and edit copy walk talk about this, do the inspiration, sit down, do the copyright claims, do the voting, then and only then you can tell me what the freaking do. Because if you work at a job and someone's nagging you, you tell them the same thing. You want to do my job here. You go to my job tomorrow. You do it. And you tell me how hard it is. If you can't shut the F up and look, but don't speak. But that's the world of social media. Now, that's the world of I have a little bit of power. Just this little bit of power. And I deserve to talk over you in some things. To know that me helping and doing this channel and showing what I'm trying to do, people actually liking it. Not like in the thousands, not like in the millions, but actual people who come up to me like, hey, I've seen your sh- and I like it, and it's really inspiring, or hey man, I'm, I'm depressed too and I got PTSD, and you talking about it makes it normal for me. And I don't have to be ashamed to talk about it. So I'm talking about it more with my... Family. I'm like, yeah, because the purpose of talking about depression and PTSD is not to glorify it, but to normalize it. So you can have a conversation about it and not be like, oh, this guy's crazy. Because here in Puerto Rico, if you say you're depressed, oh, you're crazy. If, you get, if you're if you PTSD, oh, that guy's crazy. or oh, he's on crack. That's why he has PTSD. No. I was here during Hurricane Maria where there was no light on this island of 3.5 million people for nine months. There was no light here in Puerto Rico for nine months. No water in Puerto Rico for five. Okay. This was the Wild West in 2017. For the first five months, I, I'm no, I have no shame in saying it. I got that money. I got that money every single day for my kid. And I got that money every single day for my family. I made damn sure I had food and water in my stomach. Everyone did, but luckily It wasn't the wild west where everyone was shooting each other It was the wild west where everyone was literally Helping each other Everyone around the communities You ain't got food, I got food You need to wash your clothes, I got this giant tub Let's do this, let's go to the river together Everyone needs to take a shower, we'll make a road Through the destroyed And we'll find a way That's the only reason we survive Ladies and gentlemen, I have to sleep not Not with a night light But I have to sleep with a fan I have to sleep knowing that there's electricity in my face and there's the sound of a fan in my ear, knowing that this is not a hurricane time again. Fiona passed by last month and I had a, had a PTSD break again that I thought that I, would, I literally went. I have three rooms in my house and the third room is the smallest, just really, really small, little small guest room. I slept in the guest room in the fetal position every night for a week when there was no light because I was like, this is the night. This is the night I'm going crazy. This is the night that I'm going to you know, lose my mind. No light, no water.
0: I'm going to take it back a little when you, after you had this breakdown with, in front of your yeah. kid. What did that do to the relationship between you and your son?
1: they not get me in trouble. Let's say like this, ladies and gentlemen, my family has a genetic thing where the males in the family get like to about six feet to seven feet. Put that out there. I'm the runt of the family. I'm like five foot ten, right? My brother's six to five. My younger brother, six foot eight. My grandpa, my mom, side six, seven foot two. My son, when he hit 10 years old, and that was around the time it happened, about nine to 10 years old, he had a growth spurt big. He's got his mama's butt. His mama got a donkey booty, so he got a donkey booty too. He hates when I say that, but I'm his daddy. I get to say it. I love you, son. And then at the same time, he just, he became more aggressive, more reactive. More counter, in a sense, if I if I can explain it that way. If everything I said, and he would say the opposite, and him and it, me and, it, and me and his baby mama, up until recently, we hated each other. So when I would say something, she would say the opposite to you know to try, try to get him against me. And then when he started growing up, and he's a smart kid, he used that against us. So when we were when we were trying to mend each other he would get us to fight each other to get his way. And I'm like, man, you're a smart smart little bastard.
0: Yeah, yeah
1: they are. I, I respect that, all right? So after a while, and again, talking to therapy, going to therapy sessions, uh, doing the channel more, being more expressive, learning life's journeys, I learned to stop. I learned to stop and remembering the one key thing when you're talking to a child. If you are the father or mother, you're a grown ass adult stop talking like a grown-ass adult to a child it's a child when you have long conversations with your child something is wrong with you for the fact that he's six seven eight or nine he doesn't even know what puberty is yet so what the are you talking about emotional stability and financial things to him so when learning all these things, these kids getting all that pressure. Oh, what about the bills? What about this? What about this? What about this? And they shouldn't they should all they have to worry about is making sure they have clean underwear. That's all they need to worry about as a kid. Not worry about is are we gonna have dinner? Or is this old? Or, or is this is there is there gonna be light tomorrow, mom or dad? No. So I learned that. And because of that, I learned that whenever you ask me something, Dad, what's happening in your life? Nothing. I love you, son. And that's all you need to know. That's it. If it's pertaining to you, I will tell you. But other than that, and, and 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 most parents don't like when I say this. But if you are honest with your child, be honest with them. Be honest about like life events. If something's happening to your family or someone's dying in your family, be honest with them. They might not be ready at the time, but the dumbest thing ever is that let's say for example, hypothetically, someone dies in my family, right? And everyone in my family is waiting until the person passes to tell them the person's going to pass, right? Giving them like a shock to the system, everybody at that moment. My method was your child, if he's old enough and understands life and death, sit down with your child. Someone's passing soon. You know, we have to pay our respects and we have to understand that. And I laughed because someone close to me said, oh, you shouldn't do that, you know, you really shouldn't, you know, do that with, with children. And I said, well, wait a minute. When I was a child, I went to visit my grandma and my grandma was passing, like literally a day in. And you put me right up to that, to that person, that person, you know, whatever. And when I told them that, silence, because they realized, huh, yeah, I'm a hypocrite if I, if I yeah, exactly. So there's, there's different ways. I'm not saying this is the parenting way. I'm just saying that's what I've learned with my child. And me and my child, he doesn't say Ugh, or whatever. He says, yes, dad. I love you, dad. I'll see you later. Are you okay? Good morning. The one thing I love when a child says, good morning. Well, is that so hard? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. It's a phrase, a few vowels say it that's what i'm having with my son right now alex why do you keep your towel two reasons one because i want to be legitimately the mayor in this town in seven years in the time of this recording in 2022 because i want to make my town better not to be just a name not to put that on a picture no to say that when i'm here i want my town to grow I want my town to adapt, and I want my town to flourish. Not for the benefit of my name, but for the benefit of my town. And two, I don't want all the memories that I've seen in my life, all the history, all the adventures to go away. Not to go away, to be lost in the memory of life. So many people that even you know, that only you know the histories and the stories, and they'll be gone forever if you don't record it. Because no one knows And that's the saddest thing in the world The greatest stories have never been told Because no one was ever sit there to, to hear it And that's what I want to do and I want to be a news person And say the truth about my town I want to be an advocate For emotional and mental uh, mental health And I want to make people laugh When I say the stories are the craziest ish I've seen in my life That's why I keep the towel
0: Well folks There you have it My man just put you on to what is going on with him and why he is able to keep his towel. So, Alex, if there's any last words that you want to have, I mean, not that you haven't gone deep enough, but if there's any last words that you want to have and say to the audience out there, my man, the floor is yours. Everyone is out there. I usually say stay healthy and stay happy. That's my
1: catchphrase, whatever. No, I'm going to flip it up today. I want you to really sit down after this close your eyes, find your happy place, wherever it may be, and really think and thank the fact that you can have a happy place and sit down. Most people in this world can close their eyes and see darkness. Most people in this world can close their eyes and see nothing but silence. Silence can be a visual thing, ladies and gentlemen. I'm there on that. But I will tell people, find help if you need help. Find a friend if you got a friend. Find something that makes you soothing and happy because there are ways, but it might be hard to get there. And if you want to see my stuff, Alex Coquito on YouTube, uh, A-L-E-X-C-O-Q-U-I-T-O, Reakin' Reactions on Twitter and on Twitch, and on Instagram, I rant about the news and I rant about mental stuff, Coquito.Alex. Other than that, find happiness, and like my friend Pooh Bear said one time, shout out to Pooh Bear, depression is, is a disease and it can be contagious. Please be careful on that. Also, Baby K, my girlfriend, and thank you, Aunt Boogie, for giving me the time, the honor, and the privilege to do this.
0: That's what's up, man. So, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it with my man, Mr. Coquito. And Alex, you have officially survived Boogie's gym. Congratulations. This sparring session is officially (laughs) over it is over so ladies and gentlemen I'm gonna put all of Alex's information out there so you'll be able to go and catch him check out his YouTube check out everything about him and I promise you this guy's an interesting dude man interesting guy when I got a chance to first vibe with him I was like this dude is interesting I definitely gotta get him on but I'm glad that he took some time out and brother thank you thank you thank you for just being transparent and just speaking your truth and just doing what you gotta do so ladies and gentlemen there you have it so as i always tell you wipe the blood wipe the sweat wipe the tears but whatever you do don't throw in your towel this is your man and boogie i'll check you when i check you i'll see you when i see you we are out of here peace